Hello and welcome to day 68 of our Bible reading course. John's Gospel is thought to have been written later than Matthew, Mark and Luke, the so-called synoptic Gospels. It has a very different feel and style to it, and includes a number of extended conversations between Jesus and other people. Today we look at two of these, in John chapter 3, verses 1 to 21, and chapter 4, verses 1 to 42. Let's pray. Almighty God, I thank you for the great variety within the Bible, and how it nevertheless speaks with a clear and unified voice, your voice. Enable me to hear that voice today, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light, and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptising more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptised, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. 
When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and has now come, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and his worshippers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, What do you want? or Why are you talking with her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labour. 
Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I've ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Saviour of the world. In our previous reading, we witnessed the variety of people that Jesus ministered to. Today, we see two completely contrasting individuals with whom he spoke in depth. Nicodemus was a Jewish man of high standing, a religious Pharisee, learned and respected in his community, a member of the Sanhedrin, or Jewish ruling council, albeit subject to Roman authority at the time. He comes to Jesus secretly at night because he's heard about his teaching and miracles. Jesus, who often spoke in parables, here uses a metaphor to tease out the truth he wants to bring to Nicodemus. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again, or as the footnote says, born from above, which he goes on to elaborate as involving water and the spirit. Water implies washing and cleansing, and the Spirit is, of course, the Holy Spirit of God. As we saw in Ezekiel, spirit, breath and wind are all translations of the same Hebrew word ruach, which in New Testament Greek is pneuma. The imagery stacks up and plays with Nicodemus' imagination, and ours too. Whereas the Apostle Paul, another Pharisee, would later describe the Christian faith in very precise and detailed arguments, Jesus prefers a more visual and expansive approach. Nicodemus clearly struggles with this, even though the Old Testament had described how God would one day sprinkle clean water on his people and give them a new heart and spirit. It was a reference he should have remembered. And in Jesus, the time had now arrived. Jesus' other conversation partner in our reading couldn't have been more different. A Samaritan a mixed race of Israelites who had remained in the land after the deportation of the Ten Tribes, plus many others who'd been resettled there from other places. A woman, who then, as in many parts of the world today, are regarded as second-class citizens. And of dubious moral standing, five husbands, and now with another man, fetching water in the heat of the day when everyone else did it when it was cooler, her nobody status is summed up by the fact that we aren't even told her name. And yet Jesus conversed with her at length. Once again he uses a vivid metaphor based on what was right in front of him. Water. Only he spoke of living water. And being thirsty. It's to this woman that Jesus makes a remarkable declaration Samaritans believed in the Messiah, as did the Jews, a person who would come and explain everything. I, the one speaking to you, I am he. One of the key expressions throughout John's Gospel is eternal life. It's used on several occasions within this passage, including the famous chapter 3, verse 16. What does that phrase mean to me? Is it just about quantity, 
everlasting, or about quality too. And when does it begin? After I die? Or the moment I put my trust in Jesus as Saviour and Lord? Jesus' disciples also get confused by his use of metaphors when he speaks to them about food. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. What does this say about the importance to Jesus of carrying out God's will? Could I say the same about my own attitude? How good am I at using pictures, illustrations and metaphors from everyday life to convey my faith to those who don't know Jesus? Is this something I could think about and develop? Lord God, my Heavenly Father, I praise you for the gift of eternal life that you've given me through your Son. May I grow to understand and experience more and more of what it means with every passing day. And thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit, through whom I can worship you genuinely, sincerely and joyfully. Amen.